When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Hi Anna. Hi Andrew. And hey everybody else. And welcome to our podcast. Scary, scary stories, stories to, to tell, tell on the pod. pod. It is a comedy podcast about scary stories, urban legends, and spooky things you tell us about. And uh, everybody, it is October season. We are headed towards the holiday of Halloween. It's and, pumpkin. Uh, it's pumpkin, everybody. <laughs> Happy pumpkin. Happy pumpkin. I said it's an orange kind of day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we were remembering that... Um, uh, that the Thai Beanie Baby Pumpkin's name was Pumpkin the Pumpkin, which I think no. is true unhinged. It is insanity. unhinged. The word is un- it's chaos. I know. Pumpkin the Pumpkin. You're going to start a war with that kind of talk. <laughs> you got to be careful when you say Pumpkin the Pumpkin. And and if we have any Thai heads out there and we're remembering this incorrectly, please don't let us know. We can't bear criticism. <laughs> We can't. And if we got any Tanya heads out there, you shouldn't have faked being at 9-11. Wow. The woman who wasn't there. Look it up. I Great could watch lot. it every day of the week. Okay. Um, Anna, we're back with our wonderful guest, Spencer Novick. Spencer Welcome back, Novick. Spencer. Uh, thanks for having me again. Um, as we discussed last week, Spencer is an incredibly talented comedian and physical performer. You can see him as the pale man in the most recent season of American Horror Story. And uh, he's here to talk about spooky stuff with us today. Yes. Spencer, um, what's the scariest thing in the room with you right now? Um, hmm. The Google. I have a mini Google Home. Oh, um, that is scary. Yeah. Terrifying. It's, it's listening. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> um, Spencer, we have asked you today to read a scary story from the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark series by Alvin Schwartz with drawings by Stephen Gamble. Um, were you familiar with these books as a kid? Oh yeah, yes, very much so. Um, they're terrifying. The illustrations are terrifying. Yes, I feel like your oeuvre as a performer can sometimes fit within a lot of these illustrations, and I mean mm-hmm. that is very angular, very angular. Yes, um, misty, um, thin thin lines. A lot There's of thin lines. A lot of thin lines. Something very kind of kinetic about the illustrations, mm. even though they're like still, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it feels yes. like there's like cotton glued to the page. Like it's very hazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the word is spindly or spindly. Mm, yes. Spindly. Yes. A lot of things that are spindly. That mm-hmm. does make me think, because I also can see how one would think it would be spindly. And that does make me realize, Anna, that for a long time, I thought the word misled was pronounced misled on the page. Yeah, of course. Devastating. Because it should be. Um, so Spencer, like, were these books that you read as a kid or were they ones that you stayed away from? 
I think, uh, as with anything scary, I was magnetized by them, but also wanted to nothing to do with them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Relate to that. There should be a Yiddish word for I love scary things. I'm scared of scary things. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. If we have any Yiddish scholars out there and there's a word that's close to that, please do let us know. I think there's a 100% chance that all of our listeners are, to some degree, Yiddish scholars. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Spencer, you discussed in uh, the last episode this fear of like kind of windows, especially like big panes of glass into entryways and seeing someone who doesn't belong there. Um, Did you have any other childhood fears? Small spaces. I'm really terrified of small spaces. Interesting. Um, I I went on a, you know, I was was in a... I was going to a show with some friends in Australia one time Mm -hmm. and the show was uh, inside of a shipping container. And I believe the show was called seance and you would go into the shipping container and it was, it was a long table with a bench on either side and you sort of barely could squeeze in past the table to get to, to get inside. And so like two rows of people would enter into the shipping container and, um, then you'd sit down and you there was headphones on the table and you'd put on these headphones. You'd be completely sense-deprived. Um, well, and a a uh, person, uh, like uh, essentially like an usher, came in once we had all sat in. I was pushed in all the way to the end, to the back of the shipping container because I got there early. And um, a usher came in and said, hey, uh, you know, like we're going to deprive you of all your senses. And uh, – hey. Hey, 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 you hey. <laughs> pointed directly at me. <laughs> hey, wasted. <laughs> they threw up. Yeah. And then they and then they said, so if you have if you're claustrophobic, like um you should leave now. <gasps> and I started to just sweat. Oh. And uh I looked at the people that I came with and I, I sort of whispered, I said, Hey, I don't think I can do this. And they said, You can do this. And <gasps> I said, I can't do this. And then I, you know, rose my hand in front of, you know, the 24 other people in this tiny shipping container. And the usher looked at me and said, yes. And I said, hey, I I think I need to leave. And I think he thought I was kidding. And I was like, no, I need to leave because I am claustrophobic. And then he said, okay, yeah, you should leave. And then I had to inch out over people, over a row of strangers. And it was the, like, I, I because the, no one, they didn't like get, no one left. So I just had to like squeeze myself past seated strangers, oh. um, which was the most embarrassing experience. Um, That's the worst. To make your butt smaller while inconveniencing it, someone? Exactly. It was oh terrible. Oh my God. Yeah. That, it, what a scary place to put a show. Yeah. In a shipping yeah. container. Um, well, that makes, I mean, all those, those fears are completely justifiable, you know, Mm. like I get, I get claustrophobia entirely. You want to be comfy. You want to be comfy. And it, it then makes a lot of sense, Ben, that you lived in Las Vegas for so long because it's all wide expansive desert. Expansive. Exactly. Yeah. So Spencer, you have a story before you. Yes. (laughs) I have one story in my, I have two (laughs) beautiful ghouls in front of me, but only one photo in my hands. Imagine sending like the red spot home. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. And that girl with just spiders pouring out of her face cries. Oof. That was part uh, of her makeover. She didn't even want spiders out of her face, but they were like, if you want to be a model, you have to be okay with this. Or if she did have spiders, Tyra was like, I'm adding more spiders. 
<laughs> and she's like, I'm going to look the same. Okay. Oh, gosh. Um, Spencer, what is the story? The story is the black dog. Should I do it? Yeah. Go right yes. Okay. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. I'm scared. Here we go. I'm scared. It was 11 o'clock at night. Peter Rothberg was in bed on the second floor of the old house where he lived alone. It had gotten so chilly, he went downstairs to turn up the heat. On his way back to bed, a black dog ran down the stairs. It passed him and disappeared into the darkness. Where did you come from? Peter said. He had never seen the dog before. He turned on all the lights and looked in every room. He couldn't find the dog anywhere. He went outside and brought in the two watchdogs he kept in the backyard, but they acted as if they were the only dogs in the house. The next night, again at 11 o'clock, Peter was in his bedroom. He heard what sounded like a dog walking around in the room above him. He dashed upstairs and threw open the door. The room was empty. He looked under the bed. He looked in the closet. Nothing. But when he got back to his bedroom, he heard a dog running down the stairs. It was the black dog. He tried to follow it, but again, he couldn't find where it had gone. From then on, every night at 11, Peter heard the dog walking in the room above him. The room was always empty, but after he left, the dog would come out of hiding, run down the stairs, and disappear. One night, Peter's neighbor waited with him for the dog. At the usual time, they heard it above them. Then they heard it on the stairs. When they went out into the hall, it was standing at the foot of the stairs, looking up at them. The neighbor whistled, and the dog wagged its tail. Then it was gone. Things went on this way until the night Peter decided to bring his watchdogs into the house again. Maybe this time they would find the black dog and drive it away. Just before 11, he took them up to his bedroom and left the door open. Okay, and Spencer, for this next part, yes. anytime you he's talking about his watchdogs, yeah. could you do us a favor and replace the word dogs with landlords? Yes. And okay, I'll do that. For any time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Any, okay. Yeah. Great. But the any black person. dog can still be the black dog. Okay. Great. And he can still be Peter? Yes. He's still Peter. Okay. He's still Peter. Okay. Then he heard the black dog moving around above him. The landlords yes. pricked yep. up their ears and ran to the door. <laughs> Suddenly, they bared their teeth and snarled and backed away. Peter could not see the black dog or hear it, but he was sure that it had entered his room. His landlords barked and snapped. They darted forward nervously and then backed away again. Suddenly, one of the landlords yelped. The landlord began bleeding, then dropped to the floor, its neck torn open. A minute later, the landlord was dead. Peter's other landlord backed into a corner, whimpering. Then, everything was still. The next night, Peter's neighbor came back with a pistol. Again, they waited in his bedroom. At 11 o'clock, the black dog came down the stairs. As before, it looked up at them and wagged its tail. As they started toward it with a pistol, it growled and disappeared. That was the last Peter saw of the black dog. But it didn't mean that the dog was gone. Now and then, always at 11, he heard it moving around above him. Once he heard it running down the stairs, he'd never managed to see it again. But he knew it was there. That could wow. happen. That could happen. Be this scared. is a wild ass story. It it's is sort of. You go ahead. No, you go. I say it's sort of the story of like a bad dog owner. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. Like and like a and like a dog that just needs a home. Right. 
I know. Like for the first few paragraphs of the story, this is just describing something I would pray for, which is just like <laughs> a dog shows up when I'm not expecting it. Yes. yes. And you don't even have to feed it. You know, it's just, just there. And he, he's wagging his tail. Like so, for so much of the story, there's no problem. The problem comes when he's like, hey, get, hey, get. It also, like, part of me made it, part of me was like, oh, maybe this takes place way long ago. But no, it's like, no, he has a heating system and his name is Peter Rothberg, which just feels like a very contemporary name. Which is, this is a sort of a, a trope of the of the Scary Stories books. First name, last name. Sometimes yep. characters have first name, last name. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, it kind of lends a little more credence to the story. Real people have first and last names, you know? Yeah, but sometimes yeah. it's just the man. Spencer. Um, but also, this, this guy is also very like, I mean, this is not the way that you introduce dogs to each other. No. <laughs> yeah. That's right? a problem. Like, and this dog doesn't hasn't actually done anything bad. The, the, the black dog hasn't done anything bad. The black dog probably just has a history of, you know, not really enjoying the presence of dogs larger than him. Right. Where this, I mean, I listen, Spencer. You're a fellow owner of a small dog. Exactly. Um, you know, you know how it is. They don't exactly. like bigger dogs. It's a bad dog owner here. Yeah. Um, it, it also, naming them guard dogs to me implies some like that. These are outdoor dogs that are guarding. I, I also have questions about you know mm-hmm. what kind of dog owner this is. They're guard you know. landlords. He yeah oh, right the landlords. He's bringing the landlords in. He's looking to start something with the landlords. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. So in terms of like what's going on with this story, to read in the in the back in the notes section, it says the black dog, the story is based on an experience reported in the French village of Borg and Foret in the 1920s. <laughs> a spectral black dog like the one in the story is said to be the ghost of a wicked human or a foreteller of death, which I think oh. we did a, a special uh, urban legisode about scary dogs. Yeah, right? devils, dogs, and devil dogs. Devils, yeah. dogs. Yeah, Andrew did that. You can go dig through the archives for that. Um, so, like, but it is interesting because I guess the foreteller of death, the only death that happened is when he tried to attack it with his landlords. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, this would have been fine. Right. I mean, I guess, so Spencer, as a dog owner, and as a as mm-hmm. a dog owner of, of a dog that you... I have put so much time into uh, making the dog comfortable and feeling safe. What would you do in a situation where there's a spectral black dog in your home? I think I would like, first I would put out some food. Yeah. Like put out some like food or water and just be like, is this, how is this, how is this dog? Like it takes time to, you know, get a dog that, that feels comfortable with you. This dog is clearly running away from you all the time. So, Try to build up a rapport. Um, eventually, let the black dog try to smell your hand. Like, don't try to pet the black dog. Just mm. like extend your hand out and see what happens. And the dog might bite, but honestly, like that's that's gonna you're gonna have to build up to that. You, you know? still pet a dog though. You still that's pet a good a dog. day. <laughs> yeah, that's a good day exactly. in anyone's book. Yeah, there's like, I follow all these dog training Instagrams now because I'm lonely and tired. And (laughs) they like, they describe things that I was doing naturally anyway, when I made an unfamiliar dog, which made me feel so proud that I couldn't get up. Uh, (laughs) You're supposed to crouch down low Mm -hmm. and face your body a little bit away from them. Yes, you don't make eye contact. Don't make no touch, no talk, no eye contact. 
Um, and you can extend your hand out a little bit, but you're just going to make yourself that much more approachable to a dog. Mm-hmm. Or to so a, a romantic, a potential romantic partner. I think if you did this to a person, they would like it also. Make yourself small. <laughs> make yourself small, crouch away from them, and maybe no stick your hand out. <laughs> yeah. Don't – yeah, no touch, no talk, no eye contact. <laughs> That's like – like they always say – they always say if if you should never like hug a dog that you don't know especially because a dog – like that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to a dog evolutionarily. They're like, I'm being dominated. <laughs> like – Yes. Yeah, I read somewhere that all dogs hate being hugged. I was like, that can't be possible. Yeah. I, I know, Not I, my I dog. Think, I think maybe it's different when you're when like you and your dog have a long-standing relationship, you know? Like I think that's a very different experience. But it's I'm very old- sweet of you to to say that, Andrew. I appreciate that. No, I know it's no, not I, true, but I, but I but I also feel like I don't know, Ladybird seems to enjoy being hugged and having body contact with you. She so kind of like- doesn't. I think like I think she puts up with it because I feed her and I am safe mother <laughs> home. Mm. But like I think the that trade. she genuinely hates it. That's so um, funny. Because, like, when she's relaxing and doing what she feels like doing, she'll go down by my feet on the bed and curl up there. Like, she likes oh. to curl up either on me or near me, but never, like, I don't know. She's not, like, a pet me dog. She's, like, a I like to lay near you. Yeah. As I as I say that, she's, like, fully inside with Jason. <laughs> um, she yeah. hates me. I think like I'm always whenever I see like a little kid give a dog a big hug, I'm always like, oh, no. But most of the time mm. it's like the dog gets a sense of like, mm, I don't think I can hurt this thing to defend myself. Uh, but yeah, don't let your kids hug dogs, everybody. Don't. They don't want it. Well, so sometimes dogs are ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like we've all heard the story yeah. of somebody feeling a dog uh, who has passed away kind of settle in on their bed at night. Oh, yeah. This is one of my mm. favorite. You also find that with cats. Scientifically speaking, this occurs with cats. Um, and then uh, another thing is that dogs can see ghosts. Yes. Right. And Spencer, would you rather have dogs be ghosts or have dogs see ghosts? Mm, be ghost, be ghost, be ghost. Your team be ghost? I'm team be ghost. I'd rather defend have defend ghost, your though. position. Uh, see ghost is see ghost is scary. Mm-hmm. Be ghost is sweet. Be ghost That's is. Sweet. Cause, cause if a dog, if I saw a ghost dog in my house, I would not be scared. I don't think. I think I would go, "Oh, look, I have a ghost dog." But if I saw, yeah. but if my dog started barking at a ghost, oh yeah, that is horrifying. That is very scary. Because that's a scary. home intruder, and I think that home intrusion is very scary. That is yeah, it's, true. It's also like, do you want a human dog or a ghost dog? Is the first tertiary question. The second mm-hmm. tertiary question is. Um, do you want someone close to you to have an unknowable skill or do you yourself want to have an unknowable skill? And it's, I think it's a lot harder to have someone you love experience something that you could never understand. Yeah. I think it's much easier to have your own inexplicable experience. Sea ghost or bee ghost is the new Myers-Briggs, Anna. You just invented it. (laughs) There's 400 (laughs) different options. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm an intuitive sea ghost because um <laughs> i think i would rather have a ghost dog too i guess to me it is situation specific you know i think maybe there are certain times when i would like to know where the ghosts are and having a dog who can see ghosts is helpful um but i think there's something calming and um uh, uh revitalizing about being aware that there is some form of afterlife 
and beings that we care about can still uh, show affection and receive affection. I think that's nice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their heart does go on. <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of, I kind of want to be um, contrarian and say, I'd rather um, see ghosts because you guys both said be ghost, mm. but yeah, no, I'd be lying. I, I like a ghost dog. It's nice also to think about as a, the owner of a currently alive dog that maybe she'll be trotting around sometime yes. in the future. Yeah, I think mm. that is that's a very helpful thought. I think when it comes to animal ghosts, it then brings up the question like, is the animal do animal ghosts have unfinished business? You know? Um, or is are we talking about just like another plane of existence? It's got to be another plane of existence. I don't think dog. I mean, unless the dog's coming back to like eat one last bone, right? right. Dogs like, tend not to one last leg. Like, imagine, but imagine, they should go to the cemetery. That's where all the bones are. Yes, right. yes. Knowing knowing a dog with a long term goal is very funny to me. The idea. Of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just need to eat my shit one last <laughs> time. <laughs> Please can I, can dig I up my one... shit. Bring it to the shit yard. Let me eat it. <laughs> then I, I can one... be free. I have one small tangent okay. that I that has been like crossing into my mind for a bit while I've been okay. reading this. Do it. Do you know that like cats sometimes kill babies? Is that true? I think that's like an old wives' tale. I think it's. I think yeah. There's the thought of a cat stealing a baby's breath. Breath. Exactly. Yeah. Don't let like it sitting don't on let... its chest and then breathing in its breath. Yeah. That's straight up dumb to me. I think it's dumb. <laughs> I think the cat likes warm stuff and the baby is warm. Right. Yes. Grow I, up. I think it's like, I'm sure in history, a cat has killed a baby. Let's just say it. You know? Oh, sure. Of course. Um, um, I, I, and you can kill someone with an ice cream cone if you hit the pressure <laughs> point. That's true. Grow up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But so have moon boots, but you still see kids bouncing around in moon boots. I'm um, Googling, can cat kill baby? Andrew, you say your thing. Uh, but yeah, but I think I think also it's like when you're talking about allergies, there might be a baby who has a cat allergy. You're not aware the you know the lungs get inflamed, baby stops breathing at night. Yeah. You as a parent in the Middle Ages, you come out, you see the cat next to the baby, the baby's choked to death. You're like, okay, the cat stole my baby's breath. I I know yeah. I know math, you know. Mm-hmm. I, um, I guess because it also comes down to this thing of like for a while I was hearing that that this that that that's that there's a there's something called SIDS, right? Is that real? Yeah, sudden infant Yeah, death SIDS syndrome. is real. And, and yeah. they were saying that SIDS is because of cats, is what I heard. Oh, no. no. SIDS, SIDS is, is literally the unexplained, <laughs> that cats are the unexplained cause of that SIDS. I do not think <laughs> it is true. It's the same cat. <laughs> <laughs> so this is on Snopes.com. Okay. The mm-hmm. Snopes thing is cats suck baby's breath. Will a cat <laughs> suck the breath from a baby? Claim. Cats suck the breath from babies, sometimes killing them. Status, false. Mm. Origins. The idea that a cat could suck the breath of an infant is simply a misguided notion. Cats just don't do that. (laughs) It is said, oh, this is interesting. The smell of milk on the child's breath draws the feline in for the kill. But anyone who has been around house cats know the average moggy doesn't much care for the liquid. Moggy. A a British term for cat. I do not. Don't be British on Snopes. Is Snopes British? (laughs) It does get sound it, British when you say it. It does it to get Yeah, Snopes. I'm curious oh. about this now. I don't like that. Um uh they don't they, is that true cats don't like milk? 
I heard that. Yes, it I heard that actually cats are lactose intolerant. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this says given free choice between plain water and a bowl of milk, cats generally head for the water unless milk has been the only liquid offered to them from weaning onwards. Put more simply, uh, unless the cat has been taught to like milk, it generally won't seek out that substance on its own. Wow. Mm. Calling milk a substance is kind of gross. <laughs> oh my god, this article is amazing. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep reading. I'm having a good time. Are you guys Please. having a good time? This Love is about yes. black dog. This is about household animals and death. Okay. Another theory advanced to wh- as to why a cat would want to harm a baby relates to the jealousy the pet will supposedly experience when the little bundle from heaven is brought into the household. Oh. No longer the center of attention, the neglected pet is allegedly capable of setting about to get rid of what it sees as the usurper. This theory is of far more recent coinage than the bit of lore it purports to explain, though, coming into fashion no earlier than the 20th century, while the smother belief dates to at least the 1700s. In 1791, a jury at a coroner's inquest in England rendered a verdict to the effect that a Plymouth child had met his death by a cat sucking out its breath. The superstition is older, with print sightings of it recorded from 1607 and 1708, so that the 1791 verdict should be viewed with the realization that the jury was probably influenced by a snippet of everybody knows lore when it came time to explain a death for which there was no apparent cause. It is possible, here we go, it is possible that a cat might lie across the face of a sleeping child and thus, upon extremely rare instances, accidentally cause a death. But that is not the old wives' tale at hand wherein the cat does so with malice aforethought. A news story emerging in December 2000 appeared to be an instance of this sort of accident when a woman said she found her six-week-old son dead in his crib with a family cat laying on the baby's face. (gasps) Further examinations by pathologists laid this theory to rest. They attributed the death uh, to sudden infant death syndrome. But wow. I don't yes. know. The, the that cat one, did that's it. What I say. Yeah, I don't know. That one. Yeah, the, cat the cat did it. The cat was like, the glove doesn't fit. And it's like, you're not even trying to put the glove on, cat. You're not trying. Yeah, this is Snopes. Listen, the, I, like cats don't do this, but that cat did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, this is interesting. Tragedy is hard enough to bear without it also being inexplicable. Better to blame the cat than to admit mm. the cause of a child's death is unknown and thus could strike down another youngster at some future date. Folk that beliefs, is fascinating. Folk beliefs work to give folks a sense of control over their destinies and thus some small measure of security in a capricious world. If a wow. parent can believe that preventing crib death is but a matter of keeping the cat out of the baby's room, that parent will sleep a lot easier than one who realizes that such a tragedy could occur any night, cat or no cat. Oh, God. And then all this information about how cats have been viewed as evil for a long time. Our need to explain, huh? Like that's sort of what a lot yeah, of this yeah. comes from. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, that, and having like, yeah, being able to put it on something so that you don't live in fear about the randomness of life. Yes. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. This is <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Two more paragraphs. Let me look. Cats, sorry. I've, I've, what if I just kept doing this for eight hours and you guys were like, should we send an ambulance? What's going on? I'm sorry. I keep getting to a paragraph and being like, I love this paragraph. I don't know what to tell you. Um, okay. So cats are bad luck. Um, similar to the sucking life from a child by swallowing its last breath superstition was one about not raising a kitten and a baby together lest the cat thrive and the child waste away. <gasps> In that superstition, the cat was supposed to be stealing the child's vitality by oh. magic. It's the last paragraph. Mm-hmm. As to how widely believed the breath-sucking tale is, a 1929 article in the Nebraska State Journal quoted a doctor as having said he had seen, quote, 
the family pet, in the very act of sucking a child's breath, lying on the baby's breast, a paw on either side of the babe's mouth, the cat's lips pressing those of the child, and the infant's pale face as that of a corpse, its lips with the blueness of death. The doctor's emphatic statements to the contrary, the legend is still a fatuitous, fatuous piece of lore. It turns up so often, however, that it's no wonder the legend is so widely believed. And that's Barbara Michelson. Anna, I have to say, I think I've had that doctor, and it's the same doctor who told me that in order to treat me, I needed to take my shoes off and walk around his office so he could watch my gate. No. <laughs> yes. Gate, this feels right. Dr. Gate. I feel like right after that, he might have said like, and also make sure that your cat doesn't suck your baby's breath. Like, it just feels very right yeah. in his world. Spencer, would you ever steal a baby's breath, do you think? No, I wouldn't. I would unless that baby did something really bad to me. Right, <laughs> Andrew. What about you? Would you steal a baby's breath? I wouldn't steal a baby's breath. I'd wait. I think I'd. I'd wait until at least like twenty three years old until right. I would. Yeah. Even if that baby did something really bad to you, I think well because it's like a baby doesn't understand that it's done something bad, but I can hold a grudge until they're twenty three and mm. see if they do anything else that makes me mad. <laughs> okay. You know. Um, I guess that's fair. I want to rescind. <laughs> Andrew, what's scary about this story to you? (laughs) Okay. I will say that the scary thing to me, I agree with Spencer. I think Peter is the scary person in this story to me because there is no one, the, the, the ghost dog is not bothering him at all. He's looking to start something. He's a shit stir in this ghost story. And um, it frightens me that he has a friend with a pistol and they're going to try to shoot the, the ghost dog. Like the judgment here feels off. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I, I think that the paranormal elements of this story are consistent and predictable. The people are unpredictable and unpredictable people are scary. Right. Yeah. I also, what's scary to me, like when you said that he is, Peter's a scary one, that makes sense to me because I feel like this is the others with dogs. Like, I don't think the ghost dog is the ghost. I think oh, he's the ghost. Oh, my God. Oh. Wouldn't that make more sense? Th- oh, yes. That makes so much sense because also, why is this dog in the house? Does that make any sense? <laughs> Just Not like, at all. It feels like that dog should be in that. Like, this dog's in the house. This is this dog's house. Anna, you're And then genius. Peter's coming in. Wow, that's amazing, Anna. You know? And then it's like, then when the landlord dies... Then that's mm-hmm. then that's a that's a ghost dog too, or no? That is a that's a ghost dog becoming a ghost dog. Yeah, wow. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. The fact that Peter and his friend are ghosts is such a good twist for this story, right? Or um, that his friend is alive but isn't related to him, sort of in a sixth sense way, where he's just kind of <laughs> yes. doing he's doing him because yeah. the neighbor whistles and the dog enjoys it. <gasps> oh. That's, That's the right. only positive response is when the dog sees a pot. So the dog is a ghost fighter. Oh, wow. Wow. The dog you fights ever, ghosts. You ever have a ghost fighting dog? And then the reason the, the dog is only there sometimes is because the people who own the dog together broke up. And now they <laughs> oh. just, they share custody, but like not that often. That's why it's yeah. every now and then. That, Anna, this is a great, this is a great series. Thank you. Um, I just sold it for 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 a lot of money. <laughs> Spencer, we sometimes uh, uh try to cast these these stories with with celebrities. Sometimes they don't even have to be famous actors. They can be politicians, uh athletes. Um 
Who would you cast as the black dog? Hmm. As the black dog. You know, I, I, because of, I, I really do think a strong performance would come from Andy Serkis. Yeah. Wow. We, we you think, think he'd be a good little. Be, we do I love think he'd be a good little. The image is sort of like a, a ghostly Scotty dog on the wall. It's yes. like scary, spindly staircase. That's right. With a, a shadowy cloud that has like a, a Scotty dog face. And big eyes. Yeah. yeah. Big eyes. And Andy Circus. Yeah. Andy Circus really, he could nail anything. You think he could get down there? He I could get he, down low? I think he could crouch down low. I think. Oh, yeah. I think I'm also like I'm I'm interested in like Kevin Bacon voicing the dog. Mm. Like a kind of oh, we just interesting. Something a little kind of smoky and a like like not abjectly villainous, but like a little um like he's seen some bad stuff and maybe he's made some mistakes in his past, but now he's on the straight and narrow. Mm. Wow, yeah, that's nice. I could certainly see a Tatiana Maslany. Oh, sure. Doing a performance. She can do anything. She can do anything. Yeah, I love that. Oh, that's really good. And I'm going to say for casting Peter, I don't know. I mean, LeBron? Like, oh, like just wow. interesting. Kind of a, a very charming, uh, like a very charming person who then, if like going with Anna's twist, like in the end, the revelation that he's a ghost. I would kind of like to see LeBron realize he's a ghost. I feel like he might nail that moment. Mm. Totally. Oh, that's great. LeBron a ghost. Tell everybody. LeBron <laughs> a ghost. Um, Spencer, who would you cast? Yeah. I, I need I need a second. I need another second. I'm sure. re- I really want to okay. find the right person. I really want to find the right person. Well, I feel like Chris O'Dowd would be good. And oh. uh, honestly, my number one casting for this, Spencer Novick. Wow. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Okay. A villainous I believe, turn. I believe you sort of in a weird, um, and this is like a classic scary story set on the dark um, time period where it's like the 1920s, 1600s, 1970s, the the, <laughs> the city, the country. Um, I, I just believe you in that. In that. Okay. Of, you know what? I'm going to pick me then too. Cause like, honestly, <laughs> I don't want anybody else to have it. Why? Yeah. yeah. You gotta, okay. you gotta hustle for yourself sometimes. Yeah. Spencer, it has been so much fun having you on the podcast. You told the story beautifully, I have to say. Oh, thank you. This was great. This was so much fun to be on this podcast. I love this. And I love you guys. And it's really lovely to to be able to hear you. Yes. We love you, Um, ass. Where can people (laughs) find your work, Spencer? Maybe on my Instagram? Is that like, I don't know. Yeah, do it. Yeah, on my Instagram. You know, uh, Spencer Novick. Spencer at at the tag handle is Spencer Novick, and that's, that's where Novick you can, with a C H. Everybody with a C H N O V I C H. And also, Spencer, you are incredibly good at TikTok. Um, I think your username is still a random series of numbers and letters, but you are <laughs> yeah. what I call a TikTok DJ, where like you just find the funniest stuff. Yes, a TikTok sommelier. Truly, sending us. Mm-hmm. Anna and I are the beneficiaries of frequent TikToks that Spencer sends us, and every we one are. is a hit, hit after hit. That's I, true. I, really, I deeply appreciate that. I care very much about the art form. It's sort of the opposite of what you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's why I appreciate it so much. Oh yeah, because I don't understand the because uh, I because I I can't really understand the inner workings of it, but it, on such a visceral level, like they do such they they do something to me. 
Like when you find the right TikTok, it can really do something to you. I'm Is really there a good TikTok people should watch? Like if you go Oh man, I mean we're really on the berries and cream, the berries and cream kick right now. <laughs> There's one sound that I love right now that I that I that I feel like the right tick. I think what are they even called? TikToks. I feel like the right uh-huh. TikTok hasn't been made with this sound. But I feel like one day there's going to be a brilliant. There's this sound going around of this guy going, "Are you shitting my dick?" And I I think that there's a one day a brilliant TikTok will happen with that. Oh my yeah, god! Maybe it's you. Yeah. Maybe it's me. You know those videos of like the um, mashed up chicken mush that they use to make uh, chicken nuggets, and it's like pink goo that's Ugh, coming out of a big slime. pipe. Yeah. That feels mm-hmm. like a great option for, for the undercurrent for that for that uh, voice cue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Spencer, we hope you have a very happy Halloween. Thank you. You too. A very spooky one. And uh, Anna, something that uh, you and I hope that everyone else has is a very... Get, get out. out forever. <laughs> dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod is executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Produced by Tracy Soren. Original theme music by Chris Ryan. Cover art by Bats Langley. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Check out video clips of our podcasts on YouTube at youtube.com slash team, And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news.